Staying in contact, I'm London Mitchell. Fake news is a term that has come to mean different things to different people. For the sake of this program, let's define fake news as those news stories that are false. The story itself is fabricated with no verifiable facts, sources, or quotes. Sometimes these stories may be propaganda that is intentionally designed to mislead us. Fake news stories have proliferated via social media in part because they are so easily and quickly shared online. And that's the essence of our broadcast this week. My guest is Associate Professor Rick Bussell in the Bowling Green State University School of Media and Communication. His research and teaching focuses on how mediated stories influence our perceptions of social issues and social problems, such as poverty and crime. So is the growth in fake news because maybe we want to hear what we want to hear? We've known for for decades, if not longer, that people seek information that's that agrees with what they already what they already think or what they want to believe. I mean, that's human nature. Years ago, a, a colleague of mine said, the human brain is a defense mechanism. It looks for ways to confirm what it already thinks. And that's a pretty dangerous phenomenon. That tendency to, to seek information that confirms what we already believe has always been a dangerous phenomenon, but it's become more so given the ease with which we can find information that is often inaccurate or false, um, but it, it, it feels good to us. And so we seek it out. And then the reality is, once we seek it out, if, we, if it agrees with us, then we tend to remember it and we tend to repeat it without much uh, faith in whether it's true or not. And that is so much easier today to repeat that fake news than it's ever been. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's one of the problems is um, social media makes it it's so easy to repost or 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 repeat information that's just not accurate. And, and you know, I teach a history class that I, I really enjoy. And one of the things that troubles me in thinking back about uh, history and where we are today is that. For a long time, what we call what we now call the legacy media, but the the big networks, the big newspapers, um, the big radio uh, news operations. When you go back to you know the days of Moreau and 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 whatnot, I mean all of the news that 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 we that we got about the big events of history, those news organizations were certainly biased in ways. I mean, they tended tended to be biased toward a white perspective. They tended to be biased toward a male perspective, and they tended to be biased toward a, 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 a corporate perspective. But they their main concern was to not lose credibility. And so they were they it was quite rare for and we can count the instances on 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 a couple of hands. It was quite rare for the New York Times to make a mistake, or the Washington Post to make a mistake, or CBS News to make a mistake. And they certainly didn't just make up information and distribute it because they were they were concerned that if they lost their credibility with the audience, they would lose audience. <clears throat> 
And so uh, there was a lot of gatekeeping and there was a lot of caution and a lot of good editorial behavior, even though there were certainly biases. Um, but, but that's gone, right? Now there are so many outlets and so many voices that really don't have any, many of them don't have much interest in credibility. They don't have much, if, if they're wrong, they don't care. It doesn't really matter. And so the old days, right, where we had relatively few big news sources, there were problems with that. But I think those problems were nothing like the problems we have today with social media, where there's just no accountability. That is a that is a real concern is is the accountability. Is that something we can ever get back to? Or is this just something we're going to have to accept the uh, that there is no longer a uh, a bias that may not be deliberate and i and i guess i go back to the uh, as you point the days of uh, murrow and uh, the earlier days of uh, uh big network operations they did have a bias as you said it was probably white probably to uh, to more of a male audience but i don't think those biases necessarily were intended in, in the reporting, it was just more or less a reflection of of our society. But today, if I hear you correctly, we've got intended biases. Yeah, and that's and that's absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I and 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 you know, there were there were uh, mechanisms built into the news system that did check those biases, right? I mean, there were you know, did you only talk to one? Uh, people on one side of the story. Did you did you check that fact? You know there were things that would prevent um, that would prevent the worst behavior from really even being considered. To be honest with you, I mean I worked in news in the in the eighties in Toledo, and and I mean the things that we see today, um, we we would never even have considered doing. Now, having said that, I think that that most of the mainstream news organizations are still doing good journalism, good fact checking. Um, I don't think that that the news operations on either side of the political spectrum, I don't think those news operations are doing uh, really, I think they're doing as good a work as they ever have. The problem is that some of the news operations have built these opinion mills on the side. And that's where an awful lot of the problems arise. And then that opinion mill um, kind of, I don't know what you want to call that, that opinion mill engine, it draws in people who are more willing to say things that aren't true. And it draws in people who are more willing to say things that are clearly pandering to one political side or the other. But I'll be honest with you, I will look at the CNN website and the Fox News website and I look at just the news stories, and they're really not very different. They report the facts, and um, and really they're reporting the facts that are that are in the. I mean, gosh, it's hard to find uh, error. But what happens then is that both of those news uh, sources or those store those sources of news reporting, then they get picked up by the opinion mill of the very that very network and then all of the other networks that sort of use that news or all the other outlets that use that news as um 
fodder for opinion. They call it opinion entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, right? Where you're just grabbing news and spinning it into opinion and manipulating it and then trying to draw an audience. And the reality is if they can draw an audience and make money, they'll keep doing it. That, you know, so, uh, so I think it's important to distinguish between the news reporting, which in the main is really still quite good and quite reliable, and the opinion production that really is undermining our faith in, faith in news and faith in government, faith in science, uh, all of that. We are discussing the proliferation of so-called fake news. My guest is an associate professor at the BGSU School of Media and Communication, Rick Bussell. Once upon a time in broadcasting, we were mandated to tell both sides of an issue because of the fairness doctrine, which we no longer have, and I believe a result was the rise of so many opinionated broadcasters, such as Rush Limbaugh. I agree completely. The fairness doctrine was uh, uh, negated, I suppose, in, I think, 87, maybe, 88. Um, and, you know, the argument the government made or the FCC made for, for um, relaxing it or essentially eliminating it was that there are a lot of news outlets out there. And so it's no longer necessary for a given, a single news outlet to represent the other side of a story or the, the, the alternative opinion or whatever that, that may be. They said you can turn to another news source for that if you want. The problem, I mean, and, and that's true. And I don't know that you could, I don't know that, that the fairness doctrine would work today, given that the argument that, that there are only a limited number of outlets. Um, and so those outlets have to, have to present both sides of the story. I don't think that would work today because the argument just doesn't make sense. There are so many outlets and so many opportunities. The problem was, and you're right, Rush Limbaugh was the poster child. He suddenly could jump on AM radio for two, three, four hours at a, at a crack and just present both only one side of an issue, but also a lot of false information and a lot of um, just anti-government information, a lot of anti um, anti civil society uh, arguments. And there was really no, no way to counter that um, because people just inherently aren't going to go look for another version of reality. They like that version of reality. And that was a huge revenue generator. And it's that, that kind of programming still is. It doesn't do us any good, but it certainly uh, makes a lot of money. The allegation is that much of the media flies as soon as they hear something without taking the time to really dig behind the headline. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know about that. I, I mean, on the, on the one, it's certainly the 24-hour news cycle and the, the demand for profitability, those two factors have led to um, fewer people producing more news content and that means that they don't have the time to do the kind of reporting that they that they that they used to be able to do. And I think that's true, especially that's that's true in local news. I mean, it's uh, it's it's uh, when I left, you know, I worked in Toledo, and when I left, we had 
I don't know, I want to say 14 reporters and each reporter produced maybe one big story a day and maybe one short story. Uh, and today they have half as many reporters and they're producing four or five stories a day. And there's just no way they can uh, they can do that same kind of the kind of research that they need to really do a thorough story. I don't know that they're wrong very often. I think they're just it's just the story is just not very, very thoroughly researched. You do an interview, somebody says this is the case and you accept it at face value and report that they said that. I think that's part of the that's certainly part of the problem. I think the bigger problem is. uh just people not distinguishing between information and opinion um, and not being critical about what they're, uh, what they're hearing or what they're, what they're being told. I was, I was looking, I've been doing a little research in deception and it turns out that, uh, that we're amazingly gullible because we don't suspect that people are, lying to us because most of the time people don't lie to us. So we sort of evolve to believe what people tell us, which, which makes sense, right? I mean, if most of the time people are telling the truth, you don't want to spend a lot of energy suspecting that they're not. And you don't necessarily want to spend a lot of energy uh, accusing because it, there's no, there's no function in it. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the case with news. I think we are suspicious of what people are telling us, but it's only when it's the quote other side. Right. We're not suspicious of what our own side is telling us. At any rate, I think that if we could get news consumers to really ask two questions, and that is one, does this correspond to the reality that I see elsewhere? That is elsewhere outside of this network's reporting or this station's reporting. I mean, does if if what this person is saying isn't consistent with what the CDC is reporting, that, that should raise flags because it, you're, you're getting two versions of reality. And then you ask yourself, well, which one is more reliable, the scientists or the, the Yahoo on, 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 the, on the website? The other is, uh, does the story in itself make sense? So, you know, oftentimes I mean, it's easy enough to say, well, well, wait a minute, if you said, if that's true, then this really can't necessarily be true, can it? I mean, both of those things can't be true within the same story. And, and I don't think you see much of that in mainstream news, but you certainly see a lot of that on, on, on Yahoo websites, not Yahoo, the company, but on, on websites. Uh, you see, it's like, well, but, but if that's the case, then that really can't be the case. And people need to more, be more analytical about what, they're, about what they're consuming in that sense, I think. I think one of the problems is that social media or many of the, the naysayers work very, very hard at tearing away the credibility of our credible sources. And right. that, that I think raises the issue as to, as to how do we, how do we take a step back after we've seen something or read something and really analyze it? We will into pretty much traditional mainstream news. I mean, we'll read uh, the Christian Science Monitor. We'll listen to National Public Radio. I mean, are pretty. I mean, they're probably a little bit left, but they're pretty mainstream. But then, even on those outlets, CNN is really a good example. Okay, there's the reporter at the Pentagon or whatever. 
And then you go, okay, that, that's the story. And then now we're going to do an hour of interpretation. And the reality is they just kind of repeat a little bit of spin that really we don't necessarily, as a consumer, we don't need. And by the end of the day, when, when my wife says, you want to watch um, a news show, which is about as middle of the road and mainstream as you can find, I often will say, really, they're going to talk about what we heard about this morning and they're going to rehash it. And um, I don't know if there's much harm in consuming that kind of opinion or that kind of uh, analysis that's really does its, its best to stay right down the middle of the road. I mean, public television could not really be any more cautious in that regard. But you can do far right or spins you far left, and we're only remembering somebody's opinion or somebody's statement. I, a statement, and I just don't know that that's that healthy for any event that people would watch uh, uh, reruns of, uh, you know, I don't know, Friends or whatever, instead of to think, I don't know, you know, if you've seen the news today or you've read the news today, I don't know that you need to sit through two hours in one way or the other, riles us up and makes us angry with each other. That's just not helping. Rick Roussel is an associate professor in the School of Media and Communication at VGSU. I'm London Mitchell, inviting you to join us again next week. Staying in contact.